0: Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for the beautiful sunshine that we feel and it reminds us that you are in control of your creation and uh, the brightness of your glory shines over your people today and we are so thankful for that. Thankful for the time to be together as well and to continue our study in this excellent material that we've been looking at. We thank you for Michael Horton and uh, for uh, his ministry to us through uh, this series. We pray that you would use it again today. Encourage us with the callings that you've given to us in this life. And we pray, Father, that we would, um, at the end of our day, not only have worshipped you well because of your helping us to do that, but also that we will have grown in our desire to serve you well this week ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let me, um, let me give you a quick um, picture of what the coming weeks are going to be like. Uh, Just as we're uh, finishing up our series here today is actually the last lesson in the core Christianity um, curriculum that we've been going through Uh, the book Michael Horton and his um, and his curriculum core Christianity. Uh, It's the 10th lesson, and so we're going to finish up the final lesson today. Um, Next week will be uh, February the 9th, and uh, I'm not 100% sure yet what next week will be. It may be kind of a wrap-up from the class, uh, or it may be something else, so uh, stay tuned. Come and find out. Uh, That'll be next week. On February the 16th, uh, we have uh, the blessing and the honor of having Dr. Oz Guinness, uh, who will be here for the Labrie Conference, is going to uh, lead the Sunny School class that day, I'm anticipating it's going to be um, a little more full than it is today. Uh, so on the 16th you might want to come early uh, or you might end up sitting up in one of these front seats, which is fine. They're, they're just as good of seats as the ones in the back, but you may have less of a choice on the 16th uh, for Dr. Guinness. Uh, then on the 23rd, which is the last Sunday in February, we're not going to have class uh, for the adults. We'll have fellowship time for just more visiting in between the services, um, as we like to do that on occasion, just to kind of have some time to connect with one another. And then, Then, uh, the following Sunday will be March the 1st, and on March the 1st, two new adult classes are going to start. One will be here in the sanctuary, led by uh, two of our elders, uh, Dr. Mark Nyman and Mr. Randy Kinnick. And they are going to be taking uh, those of you that are in this room in the sanctuary through uh, R.C. Sproul's video series, The Holiness of God, uh, which I think is what we decided back in the 80s. Early 80s maybe, late 70s, something like that. Um, but it's great material and uh, they'll be leading through that here in the sanctuary starting on March the 1st. And then back in the adult Sunday school room in the, excuse me, the back part of the building, I'll be doing uh, one of our uh, Welcome to Trinity uh, classes. It'll go for about six or seven weeks. Um, that's a class for anybody that's new, anybody that uh, would like to get more information about the church. It could be for members, too. Maybe it's been a while since you've uh, heard some of those things and you'd like to dig in a little bit more detail-wise of who we are, what we're about, our history. Um, it's it's open to any and uh, folks that would like to come to that. That'll be in the back part of the building. And uh, then that'll take us up through close to the end of the, the Sunday school year for us. Uh, have a few things at the end of the year that we'll cover. So that's kind of the snapshot of what's coming in the next few weeks or so. Today, we're going to finish up uh, the uh, last lesson in Corkers. Christianity, Lesson 10, and as we do that, before we watch uh, Dr. Horton's uh, quick little video, um, just a couple, a couple things to reflect on and then we'll read one passage first. So um, I, I don't know if you ever thought about it this way or not, but uh, living when we do, uh, we are living in a very unique period of time of the hist- in the history of creation, if you ever thought about it that way or not. Um, we 're living between the advents we 've been talking about a lot that, t- talking about that a lot through revelation but but think of it this way um, two thirds of the Bible, uh, the entire old Testament and even part of the new testament two two thirds of the Bible uh, is giving us um, uh, telling us what 's happened before the first advent before Jesus came right and then the rest of the Bible, the last third of the Bible, really is telling us about what happened in the immediate time frame of when Jesus came and the last, you know, so 90 or so years after his birth, around, around that time frame. So here we are in the year 2000, uh, waiting and, uh, and uh, expecting Christ's second coming. And it's really a unique time because we live between his first coming and his second coming. And so we live and we wait in this place. And the question that Dr. Horton is going to have us think about today is, what, uh, how should we think about our roles as Christians, as God's people, uh, as we wait now in this place at this time? What are, what are our roles supposed to be in life? Should we see our role our responsibility as building the kingdom of God here? Uh, is, that, is that how we should view ourselves, view our roles here, that through our spheres of influence that God gives to us, that we are to build the kingdom of God? Is that is that what we're supposed to think about? Is that kind of how we should think about our roles? Or... Should our focus be not so much on building the kingdom, but basically recognizing that, as the Bible tells us, that when Jesus comes back, this earth is going to pass away and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. So there's really not a whole lot of point in focusing on this world and what we might do in this world. Is that how we should think about it? Or is there another way? Which is the best way of viewing our responsibility and our use of our time now. So before we uh, hear from Dr. Horton, let me just read to you uh, from one passage that will kind of help frame our thoughts today. That's 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 12 of 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, Paul's writing and he says, Finally then, brothers, uh, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus... That as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, "...that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another." For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So that's Paul's words of instruction that I think will kind of help frame what Dr. Horton's going to say as well as some of the questions we'll talk about as we come to um, the end of his video here. So let us it's been a few weeks since we've tried this, so we'll see if it works well or if we uh, have to troubleshoot.
1: I have a terrible sense of direction. So whenever I find myself at the mall, my first stop is the directory with its map. You are here, gives me a point of reference. In scripture, we discover that we're all located in this precarious intersection between this present evil age and the age to come. Christ's kingdom is already here, but it's not yet consummated. Christ came the first time in humility and self-sacrifice to bring salvation. The second time, he'll come in power and glory as the judge of the world. So what do we do in the meantime? Some answer this by saying, we need to transform the world into the kingdom of Christ. Others react to this by saying, why rearrange the furniture on a sinking ship? The only true and lasting work is that of saving souls. There's also a third, and I believe more biblical view, which says that Christians are called to witness to Christ while serving their neighbors through their various callings. In Romans 12, Paul writes... I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In short, we don't appease God by our good works, but those who trust in Christ are made recipients of God's grace and mercy. Though believers are passive receivers of the gift of salvation we're then made active worshipers in a life of thanksgiving that's exhibited chiefly in our loving service to our neighbors out of gratitude for all that we've been given we worship God not merely in a once a week church service in which we sing God's praises and receive his good gifts but we're also called to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and to show hospitality to others. See, this is why we're encouraged both to sing hymns with thanksgiving as well as to work well with our hands so that we may win the respect of outsiders. We're all waiting for the day when Christ returns and makes the kingdoms of this world the kingdom of Christ. Until then, we're called neither to transform society nor to abandon it, but simply to love and serve our neighbors in sincerity and truth. And we do this in response to God's grace, not as a means of acquiring it. There are many common callings in the world. Some help to extend Christ's kingdom directly, but most of us are called simply to provide loving service to others according to the gifts that God has distributed. You may be called to a particular profession. You may design buildings, practice medicine, or clean washrooms. Just as there are no insignificant callings in Christ's body, there's no role in society that's beneath you. After all, given the humility of our Savior, even to the point of suffering on the cross, the real question isn't what is beneath you, but what's in front of you, namely your neighbor who needs your help. All this is part of your call to be salt and light. At this point, it's good to think about the way God answers us when we pray, asking him to give us this day our daily bread. How exactly does God answer that request? Has bread ever fallen into your lap? Probably not. But if you're like me, God has provided you with bread and nourishment through providence. In other words, God is our ultimate provider who serves us through the callings of farmers, truck drivers, bakers, storekeepers, and so forth, regardless of whether they're even Christians or not. So we should love and serve others to the best of our ability knowing that God is the one serving them through us. To recap, the drama of redemption is the good news that we need every day. We do not ascend to God. He descended to us and assumed our humanity. He fulfilled all righteousness and bore our judgment. All saving benefits come from the Father, in the Son, through the Spirit. And together... We're shaped by this story through the fruit it yields in prayer and praise and a life of increasing gratitude and hospitality. As a result, we live as those who are not our own, but belong to Jesus Christ. This lifelong process of discipleship or sanctification grows out of living on the vine in union with Christ and among the communion of saints. It's here. That we learn what it means to be ambassadors of God's kingdom. And learn to witness to Christ, both by word and deed. So, give up whatever script you may have been working on for your own life movie. Start digging into God's script, and the Holy Spirit will cast you as a character in the greatest story ever told. I'm Michael Horton for Core Christianity.
0: Got a couple of the questions that um, he provides in his materials that I thought were good, just almost pretty much as they are. So I want to read a little bit of a paragraph here and then get your uh, thoughts on this first question. Um, John, you can turn the lights back on if you want; that'd be great. Thanks. Uh, so this is Horton speaking in his uh, in his material. He says, when it comes to knowing the times and seasons of God's unfolding plan. We need to know where we are and where we are headed. Christ's kingdom is already here, but it is not yet fully arrived in all its glory. In scripture, we discover that we are located at a precarious intersection between the present evil age and the age to come. Christ came the first time in humility and self-sacrifice to bring salvation. At his second coming, Christ will come in power and glory as the judge of the world. Ties in very neatly with what we're looking at in Revelation today in chapter 14. Waiting for Christ's return, people have offered three answers to this question of what, how we're supposed to view our roles and responsibilities. One says that Christians should be triumphalistic. This view teaches that Christians should transform the world for Christ and make the world a better place, suitably fit for Christ's return. A second response says that Christians should be defeatists. The world is doomed, so we must save as many souls as possible from this late great planet Earth. And then there's a third, that Christians should, should be witnesses. We are called to be witnesses of Christ. To suffer for that witness and to love and serve our neighbors in our worldly callings. So this is then Horton's kind of summary statement. The third view, being a witness for Christ, best recognizes the tension between the already and not yet of Christ's kingdom here on earth while we wait for his second coming. Christ has toppled the dominion of sin, and even now, we can see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, though at times, it seems indiscernible. So, here's my question for you, what do you think about that? You know, he's saying here are these three different ways that most Christians kind of view um, our our callings in this world, kind of our roles and responsibilities as God's people. One he called triumphalistic, meaning kind of, you know, it's our responsibility to... um, to build the kingdom and to make this world better and better so that christ will come back again Uh, one he called the the second he called the defeatist view which is more that that you know the earth is going to burn so we need to get as many people in heaven as we can getting them to profess faith in christ Um, we don't worry about this world because it's going to burn, it's going to go away, and a new heavens and a new earth will be created when when Jesus comes back. And then this third way that, that Horton asserts that he thinks is the better way of thinking about it is that we're called to be witnesses of Christ, uh, to suffer for that witness, and to love and serve our neighbors in our worldly callings. So, what do you think about those kind of three different ways, and Horton's kind of trying to... Um, thread the needle through one and two, coming up with a third. Ethan, you kind of hesitantly putting your hand up. Well, it's going to be a grenade. <laughs> it's going to be a grenade. Okay. Ethan, I expect nothing less from you. So, um, I, I think this third way maybe feels like it's in 35, I probably a little oversimplified. Um, so, the
2: Presbyterian Church has a great history of that, right? Not um, getting involved with like slavery and yep. stuff. sort of a stand on that. Um, and I also wonder, you know, what the Lutheran Church in um, Germany, you know, yep. that, that was very much, they stood by and let things happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there, I maybe it feels a little bit utopian, and that's become a, a, a nasty word, you know, to use, but uh, in order to transform society uh, as a, a bad goal, the, the right. I, uh, I think that's probably an oversimplification of what people that are trying to transform society are actually trying to do. I think they're probably more doing what um, Tim Horton thinks is the third, third.
0: Mike Mike Horton. Yeah. 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 Tim Horton. Yeah. Tim, Horton. <laughs> Tim Horton's coffee and pastries, right? Yeah. Which is fine for a Sunday morning too. I mean, it's not a bad thing. That's seeing the that's seeing the kingdom grow, right, by pastries. And, and I, I, everything that he said after that was great, though. Yeah. You know, serving Christ in um, your profession and seeing that as a calling of serving your neighbors—totally, totally on totally board. Yeah. So Ethan thought he was dropping a grenade. I actually don't think that that's the case. I mean, he was just bringing up the fact that uh, in the history of the church—not just with Presbyterians, Lutherans—I mean, just in the history of the church. Um, There are some that have taken some of these kind of and gone to extremes with them, and we've seen some pretty horrible things happen as a result, like not standing up and speaking about justice happening for something like abortion or for something like slavery, like you mentioned. So I think, yes, there are... I think we can look in history, church history, and even some of our own church hist- our, of our own church history and see ways that it 's been abused, but I do think that his third way that he 's talking about when he mentions kind of witnessing for christ i don 't think just looking at the book as a whole I mean the video just, just you got you know four minutes and fifty eight seconds or whatever it is of a snippet from him um, that 's been very well polished and kind of written out right but if you look at more of the material, I think what he means by that witnessing for christ isn 't just. Um, telling somebody the gospel for the first time and seeing them come into the family of God. I think what he means by that is much bigger. Witnessing for Christ meaning bringing the totality of the truth of God to bear, um, which would include things like standing up for um, widows and orphans and the things that the scriptures are very clear that God's people are to be doing. So I'm not going to take it as a grenade. I'll take it as a just a helpful kind of comment that you know we want to be thoughtful as as it relates to how we live out our calling to be salt and light and truth in the midst of the world that we in and this this unique time period that we are placed God has raised us up, um, but again, going back to what you said, I mean, in the video, but then also in the kind of his third statement here, um, seeing that our that we're able to serve the Lord and to serve our neighbors by living out our worldly callings, so that whatever we're called to vocationally, um, that's part of witnessing for Christ. If we're doing it in faith and we're doing it faithfully and by his by his enabling, um, so good, Tom.
3: Uh, I, I think. Talking about those different views, the way Mike did, was it's a little bit cartoon-like in that.
0: Well, the whole thing's kind of cartoon-like, right? (laughs) Uh,
3: We talk about improving things uh, as our goal, in the first one as an example, and then sort of as an also. At the end, he says, so Christ can come back. Right. But the real key that misses the boat with that one is the motivation of doing it so Christ can come back Mm. is the real glaring error there. And the same with the other. Yeah. That the only thing we have to do is witness to people with the basics of the gospel as opposed to doing things... And, and showing how to live and, and what Christ was like and, and so forth. Yeah. So it, it, in both cases, I think it's the motivation that brings out the error Yeah. and causes people to misinterpret what they're really
0: being told to do. yeah so in case you, t- you couldn't hear what Tom was saying he's saying really the key thing he thinks is the idea of motivation where where's our motivation um, no matter how we're viewing our callings the motivation is going to tell us a lot about what we actually believe God's word tells us to do right so good <coughs> excuse me Dale my question when he started saying uh, basic mission uh, witness."
2: was how is that different from the defeat people?
0: Huh. No.
2: Because you're doing the same thing. Right. Um, I'm thinking you get a better image if you take a look at two things. Um, one is the ministry of Christ. Yeah. It's care for the people. Yeah. Um, I think the other comes out of Genesis where it talks about we're basically the stewards of the earth. Yeah. And I think to bring those two things together. Yeah. Um, in the terms of our relationship under Christ. Yeah. Under God. Yeah. And we're, we're serving. But we're serving and doing what God wants done on the earth. Yeah. Not with the idea that we're going to overcome all this, not the triumphal.
0: Yeah. But we're just doing our part. We're just being faithful. Yeah. So Dale's bringing up the the, when he was hearing kind of, Uh, Horton's categories when he hears the idea of witnessing for Christ what Dale thinks of is very much kind of the idea of winning somebody over with the gospel to become a Christian right and so it almost sounds similar to that kind of defeatist mindset and so Dale was saying it sounds in his mind you know the ideas of um, serving the Lord and uh, mirroring the life of Christ and how he lived his life, not only the, with the truth, but ministering to needs around him as well as a better example. And again, I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying with Ethan is that I think when we hear the word witness, I mean, that's where our natural minds go. Um, I think Horton is using that term to mean, it, he's meaning it more holistically to think of um, witnessing isn't just some, telling somebody the bare facts of the gospel, but it's but it's living out the truth of God's word in totality. And so, um, it's speaking the truth against error. It is it is sharing the gospel of good news. It is um, it's being a good farmer. It's being a good husband, a good a uh, good mo- mother. Um, a good accountant, whatever it might be that God's calling you, whatever He's doing, that's what you're witnessing to Christ as you're doing those things. But I agree, I mean, thinking you know, I think thinking of it holistically helps us, I think, have a better, better big picture of it. Randy, you had your hand up? Yeah, I, think, I don't disagree with what He said. I don't. He being Horton? Okay.
4: Right, surprised by hope. Hmm. You know, his view, Horton's view there is is kind of more individualistic. Yeah. And I think Wright stresses more the sort of people of God aspect that as a whole we should be working to cause his kingdom to be seen now in the people of God, which means, yes, you're witnessing, but you're also, uh, you know, bringing about justice. You're working for mercy. Yeah. And, And that whole idea of God's people as a totality uh, versus you know, just individually, which I don't think is wrong I, I appreciate the emphasis there right. in giving us purpose but I think in broader the church itself has a purpose that we are looking to make um, the kingdom of God a reality now because uh, the world the world, the world isn't going to destroyed, God's
0: kingdom is going to be there, so. yeah yeah, I think you guys could all hear what Randy was saying, and I'll just kind of tag on that a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that Horton would disagree with that. Um, he might disagree with Wright a little bit on some things, but, yeah. but, 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 um, but I think that uh, he's. Uh, any of you that know Horton know kind of the um, focus of his ministry over years. I mean, he's really, I think, addressing what he sees as a. Somewhat of a shortcoming of the way people look at life and um, and I think you know he would agree wholeheartedly i mean i can 't speak for him, but I, other things that i 've read from him and heard from him, uh, he would definitely agree that the kingdom of God is now as Christ came and, and, and inaugurated it, um, but it 's also not yet here completely, and so in the midst of that, we are living here in this place that God has put us at the time that God has placed us here, and we are to be I think the way you put it was, you know, evidencing, showing the kingdom of God and then the reality of it through our actions, whether it's sitting down with somebody over coffee to talk about what the gospel is, or if it's... Uh you know serving as a faithful law enforcement officer or as a, a physician or whatever it might be um, we are helping the reality of the kingdom of god to be real and to be to be seen um, by the world so I, I it's a helpful i think kind of corrective in some ways yeah it's
4: also what is the church
0: the 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 church as uh the church not as individual people but the church as a as the corporate aspect of the church yep yeah, that's good. Keith? nuances, yeah.
2: Of your
0: Lord, um, and to be pleasing in the sight of the Lord and to be used by the Lord to evidence the kingdom of God um, let me, uh, this is not changing the subject but it's another question that kind of will nuance it a little bit and we can kind of keep the same conversation going um, Horton, so this this helps us understand one of these, this next question helps us understand that he is in, in what he's talking about, he is addressing what he thinks is the abuse of some things and he's trying to kind of get at that a little bit we're kind of picking up on a little bit of that but this next question kind of helps flesh that out so he says the, prob- the problem with that triumphalism mindset is not its goal, right? The goal's good. Christians should want to see good works produce change in their lives and in their societies. Like, that's a good goal. He says, the problem with that view is that it expects us to transform the world so that Christ's kingdom will come as if Christ's kingdom is dependent on our work. So there so you see that 's what he's addressing, like he's trying to say that 's the part that he's leaning against with this kind of triumphalism idea is that it 's not the goal the goal's a good thing that we would be contributing to society and that the Lord would use that not only to be a benefit to our neighbors but also to see the kingdom of God glorified and people to see it and, and embrace christ but his what he 's addressing kind of his the nuance that he 's pushing in against is uh, and i 'm not suggesting anybody in this room necessarily thinks this or believes it this way but the issue that he's saying is the problem with that is that it expects us to transform the world so that Christ's kingdom will come as if Christ's kingdom or his, that Christ's coming is dependent on our work right So, his question as we reflect on the fact that that's not the case. God is building his kingdom. We are receiving the kingdom. We are living out in the kingdom, right? All the gifts and abilities that he's given us to do that with. So, here's the question that kind of gets nuanced a little bit. Is the idea that we're not trying to build the kingdom and that Christ is waiting to come back until we get our job done, um, as if he's dependent upon us, Um, That's obviously not what's happening. But the idea that that's not happening, how does that free us up as God's people to live out the callings that he's given to us in, in his creation, right, in the world? You see, the, see what I'm asking? If, if we have this sense that we have to be building the kingdom, I'm not, you know, I don't know anybody in this room that would say that, but maybe we think that way sometimes, right? But if, 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 if that's not true, that God is building his kingdom, we're receiving the kingdom, and we're, he's giving us gifts to serve him, to glorify him, and to love our neighbors with, then if, if it's not on us to have to build the kingdom, that's God's work, then how does that free us up? To Go out and live as he's called us to live using the gifts and the abilities and the interests uh, and, and the time and the treasures and the talents, right? You see, you see how that ought to just free us up to go out. It doesn't reduce our responsibility, it heightens it, but it frees us up to not feel this pressure um, that the only way that I can really serve is if I'm, you know, preaching or if I'm. Uh, if I'm taking somebody uh, through the Gospel of John those are good things to do and we need people to do those things. And, and as God calls you to do those things, you ought to be doing those things. But that's not the only way that God is affecting his kingdom here on this earth. And he's using us in all different kinds of ways. And it just, it just unloads us and frees us to be able to go out and to serve him in all of these different capacities and with these gifts that he's given to us. So I want you to, he's kind of nuancing a little bit and kind of going in that direction. I think it's helpful just to kind of hear him say that. Adrian, you had your hand up for a while there.
5: is is that it has a tendency sometimes to 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 dilute the gospel with our works as if our work has anything to do with justification I'm not sure Kiker himself would have fallen into that but I think some of his followers might have that said I actually tend to lean about the- been very disappointing to me online to see that of all the debates uh, that I that I've seen online this is often the one that just can't be controlled and that people just they just forget love towards their fellow Christians and they think if you're one camp you think the other person in the other camp isn't a Christian or something and I, I get very tired of that
0: are you are you saying that there are debates online that are discouraging <laughs> Is, is that what you're saying?
5: I'm saying that Reformed Christians
0: too. Are... <laughs> 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 that Reformed Christians that debate are sinners, too? Well,
5: I'm saying, yes, my bro- yeah. for example, my brother's blog, he's had many debates on the blog, and in almost all of them, even some some pretty uh, important ones, have been, he's managed to keep them in my reading, but not this one. He has banned this topic from his blog because he just can't control it. Right? And that's to me, that's really disappointing because I, I think that there are very strong believers in both camps.
0: Yeah, I think, um, there, there definitely is a sense in which, um, you can go to an extreme with some of these views, and when you get there, you're in places that aren't biblical. Um, and if we're not willing to be kind of, pressed into by the word of God and brought back to the truth and what God's word says, which is probably going to show some error in our view and in the other person's view, then, then it is going to end up in a very bad, dark place in the terms of the, the debate, right? Um, but I think, you know, again... What Horton is, and kind of piggybacking on what Keith was saying, I mean, we, again, we're not. In some ways, you could have a whole class on this topic, right? Um, there are books that have been written recently on this topic. This is not an academic conversation. It's it's definitely kind of something that's been going on within the reform community for the last five or ten years or so, in in uh, with some significant um, uh, contributions and whatnot. So, there, you know, all we're doing is we're kind of just touching the iceberg of this conversation, um, and you're giving us some historical things that are going. On in terms of Abraham Kuyper and some of the other things that are uh, tied in with that, um, but again, I think the idea here is is that coming back to let's come back to the kind of the core part of what what Horton is trying to talk about, um, and and recognize that as God's people, both individually and corporately, uh, we are called to be uh, witnesses for Christ, and that means partly that we are to be we are to be um, uh, giving the gospel out. Uh, and it also means that we are to be living in this world until Jesus comes back as Christians influenced and, uh, uh, and, and taught by what the God's word says that we are to be doing. And as we live that out, we are giving evidence to the kingdom of God that is being built here, not by us, but by God himself. And so whether we're serving him as a school teacher, as a parent, um, as a child, as a, as a, um, as a, as a student, as a doctor, as a nurse, whatever it might be, um, we, we We have the responsibility to be standing on the truth of God's word and proclaiming the truth of it, which is the gospel, but it's also uh, the implications of the gospel and growing more and more in Christ. I mean, the first Thessalonians four passage um, that it it reminds us that it's, it's the gospel then has to have consequences in our lives and holiness. And that we ought to be growing in holiness, and that's part of what we do. And as we live that out, we ought to be ministering to widows and orphans, those who are in prison. You know, Scripture is very clear about those things, so we have to live those things out. So, I. I, I can tell we've like got the conversation going, right? Um, so good. That's great. That, that you guys get to go out into the hallways and interact with each other and encourage encourage one one another with the ironic tone, right? Um, and keep the conversation going and keep working through these things. Um, I did want to end with just one thing, um, because we have a guest coming in a couple of weeks, Dr. Guinness. Um, does his name ring any bells? What'd you say? Good beer. Do you, do you actually know he's related? And um, this ties in. I, I promise it will tie in with what we're talking about here. Um, but this book came out a, f- a number of years ago called The Search for God and Guinness. The biography of the beer that changed the world. Um, now you're chuckling because it's funny, right? Like how can beer change the world? But it's, this is a biography of this family, of the Guinness, the Guinness family, of which Dr. Oz Guinness is a relative. Um, you can go online, you can search it. It's some distant arm of the Guinness family. I'm not sure exactly who he is and related to all the... I mean, you can get lost in all the Guinnesses and, uh, you know, they all, the names and whatnot. But, but, you know, here's an example of a family that, if you know anything about this family, um, deep, deep roots in the Christian faith. And um, seeking to uh, live out their faith in England over centuries. And the the whole beer thing is in some ways kind of, you know, an evidence of that. But there's all kinds of other things that were going on in their lives. People were coming to faith in Christ. Um, People were being ministered to. Um, through this family and the impact that they were having in that community. Um, and I was just thinking about that with Dr. Guinness coming in a couple weeks and the fact that we were talking about callings and how we live out our callings in our world. And I said, Stephanie, bring this book from home, please. Uh, be a good visual, visual, uh, uh, a visual uh, representative there. Um, and you guys can talk to Dr. Guinness when he comes. He probably just rolls his eyes and papoos it, I'm guessing. But, um, but you can talk to him when he's here about that. So, anyway, keep the conversation going. Um, Next week, I think probably what we'll do at least part of the week is wrap up a little bit in, in whole about uh, Horton's class. Um, but keep digging into not just this topic, kind of the 10th lesson, but just all of the material. And again, we'll talk about this a little bit next week, but remember, one of the reasons why we did this class wasn't just to go through the material. The material's been great. Been happy to kind of get through it and work through it. However, part of the reason to go through this class was to show you you could actually go through this class with some neighbors or some family members or some friends and get into some of the meat of Christianity and the gospel. Um, So it's it's a very easy thing to do, and the resources are available to you. So it's kind of not only going through it for ourselves and for our own benefit and growing in sanctification, but... Also modeling what actually could be done very easily um, through the material. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, next week. But let me uh, let me close us in prayer, and uh, then we'll uh, transition to the second service. Father, I do thank you for um, just the reminder today, even as we think through these issues, and um, as has been evidenced by our conversation today, uh, much need for. Uh, Longer, unhurried, nuanced conversation about these things. Um, I think we can recognize in this room that we desire to follow you and to be true to your word and what it says and how it instructs us. And so as we seek to do that, Father, we pray that you would help us to live out our callings as being your people, um, individually and collectively in this world, in a way that brings you glory and honor, and does, uh, and is used by you through the work of the Spirit, um, as you are seeking to uh, build your kingdom until that day when you will come again, and it will be in its completion. Uh, Help us, Father, to see the various callings that you've given us as not simply... Um, unimportant um, but but that they are things that you've given us to do so that we might be faithful witnesses to you in all kinds of ways in this place where you've put us at this time when you've put us and as we meditate on that Father I pray that you would fill us with a sense of uh, encouragement and hope as we go out to live for you this week ahead we pray all this in Jesus name Amen